Turn with me this morning to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 3. We're going to commence reading at verse 1. Try and follow very carefully the reading of the Word of God. Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1, reading, of course, from the authorized version. And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering... He shall offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female. He shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire unto the Lord the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks, and the caul above the liver, with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is upon the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering made by fire, of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And if his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock, male and female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offer a lamb for his offering, then shall he offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons shall sprinkle the blood thereof round about upon the altar. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat thereof, and the whole rump. It shall be take off hard by the backbone, and the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver with the kidneys. It shall he take away. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire unto the Lord. And if his offering be a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand upon the head of it and kill it before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle the blood thereof upon the altar round about. And he shall offer thereof his offering, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, which is by the flanks, and the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. And the priest shall burn them upon the altar. It is the food of the offering made by fire for a sweet savour. All the fat is the Lord's. It shall be a perpetual statute for your generations throughout all your dwellings, that ye eat neither fat nor blood. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning 
is taken from Leviticus chapter 3, and I want us to think upon the verses 1 and 2. It says, And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, he shall offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female. He shall offer it without blemish before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. Now, my theme today is entitled Learning from the Peace Offering. Now, if you were to read and study Leviticus chapter 1 to 7 very carefully, and you think about the worship of the children of Israel in the wilderness, the tabernacle worship and the temple worship, you will discover five offerings mentioned in these seven chapters. You've got the burnt offering, you've got a meal offering, you've got a peace offering, a sin offering, and the trespass offering. Now, in each of these five offerings, you have a wonderful picture of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these offerings taken us together give us a full view or a fuller view of Jesus Christ and his great sacrificial work upon the cross. You see, each one of these offerings reflects a particular special aspect of the life and work of Jesus Christ. And they also not only reflect the work of Christ, but they reflect or form the basis of what it means to be a true born-again believer. Because I see here in these offerings some of the reflective marks of what it means to be a true Christian. Now, today I'm not going to enter into a study on five offerings and the law that affects them. I'm only going to focus on one, namely the peace offering. Now, maybe you're thinking, where does the Reverend McLaughlin get his ideas for preaching every Sunday? Now, I have to tell you, sometimes it comes maybe on a Saturday. Sometimes it comes on a Friday night. Wednesday morning, I woke up, and the first thought that came into my mind was this. Have you considered the peace offering? And I said to myself as I lay in bed, Lord, I haven't. And the thought come, well, read Leviticus 3 and read Leviticus 7. And that's exactly what I did that morning as I sat at the table. So hence this morning, I felt led of the Lord then since it came into my mind on Wednesday morning uh, to present the thought, well, let's learn from the peace offering. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to consider the peace offering. Now, I have a number of things that I wrote down sitting at the table. The presentation of the peace offering. If you look at your Bible, Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1, and you'll see the first word, and if his oblation, that just means offering or sacrifice, it's another word, if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. Now, we'll pause there. 
So we're thinking about the sacrifice or the offering of the peace offering. And you see, I thought that this offering had to do with peace. The Hebrew word shalom, a word that you're probably familiar with, maybe one of the most familiar words out of many in the uh, ancient language of Hebrew. Uh, the word uh, peace in Hebrew is shalom. Uh, and it's, it's a form of greeting. Uh, like we say hello, uh, the Jewish people greet each other with the word shalom. And it's a very rich and varied meaning, of course, uh, to them. You see, when we think of the peace offering, when I thought of the peace offering, I thought of making peace with God. I thought about enjoying the peace of God. But you know, I've discovered, well, I was wrong. That's not the idea. That's not the concept. It's not about making peace with God or knowing the peace of God. So what does it mean then? If it's not about making peace with God, what does it mean? I want you to think about the word and, and if. You see, the and is a, it's a joining word. It, it, it connects with what has gone before. And if you think of chapter 1 and chapter 2, it's all about the burnt offering. And it's followed then by another offering called the meal offering. And then after the burnt offering and the meal offering came this peace offering. Now, the order's important. One follows the other in a logical sequence. There's a connection with the order here. And I believe there's a connecting order in the Bible. Now, before I go any further, if you can, turn to the reference in the book of Amos, Amos chapter 5, and look with me at verse 22. It says, though ye offer me burnt offerings, that's the first one, and your meat offerings, that's the second one, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Now, note the three offerings that are mentioned in Amos 5 and 22. And these three go together. They are, they are set apart just like the way they are in the book of Leviticus. And of course, God is saying to the people in Amos' day, in a very negative way, even if all three offerings are presented to me in order, I want to tell you, I have no interest in accepting them. And I won't accept them because of your love for sin and your lack of genuine repentance and the fact that your heart is not involved in true worship. Let me suggest to you this morning as you think about these five offerings, the key to them, remember it's all about a picture of Jesus Christ and his person and work. So if you think about the burnt offering, the whole offering was burnt on the altar by fire, all except the skin. And it's a picture of Jesus Christ offering himself up to God, a once and for all sacrifice for sin, he offers himself up willingly, voluntary, completely and totally. And he gave himself a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2. 
Remember it says in Hebrews 10 and 12, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. He not only offered a once and for all full sacrifice for sin, bearing the wrath of God in his own body, satisfying divine justice and holiness, but he also accomplished the will of God. He he glorified and vindicated God's holiness and justice and majesty. And that's all connected with the burnt offering. Christ once and for all sacrifice for sin. And then you see this meal offering. It has to do with Christ's perfect sinlessness. Having given up himself to satisfy divine justice because of the blood of atonement that was shed, because of a sinless perfect life. Remember, he did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. Then we read in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, and in the uh, verse uh, 14 and the verse uh, 15, for he is our peace, who having made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And over in the book of Colossians, Uh, It makes it maybe even a little bit clearer. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 in the verse uh, 20, it it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross. So the meal offering has to do with the perfect sinlessness of Christ. And then the peace offering really has to do with thanksgiving. It has to do with a thank offering unto the Lord. And if you were to turn in your Bible just very quickly there to Leviticus chapter 7. Leviticus 7. It says in verse 11, and this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offering which you'll offer unto the Lord if he offer it for thanksgiving. Notice the word thanksgiving. Then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried besides the cakes. And, and if you read on down there, you'll note the repetition of the word thanksgiving. You see, here's the idea. That this is the thought. The worshiper is now justified in the ground of the shed blood. And in light of the fact that he has peace with God and enjoys the peace of God, he he fully devotes himself to the Lord in every area of his life. It's the justified, sanctified sinner at peace with God coming before the Lord to offer up spiritual sacrifices and praise. Turn over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Listen to the word of God here. It says in verse 15, and we'll come back to this. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Now, what we have in Leviticus 3 is loads of details 
about the offering of the peace offering. Details about the type of animal being offered. If you go back to chapter 3, you will notice there the mention, verse 1, of the herd. And then in verse 6, if his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be of the flock. And then he mentions verse 7, he shall offer a lamb for his offering. And then verse 12, if his offering be a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. So whether it was off the herd, so let's say it was an ox or a bullock, or whether it was a little lamb or a ram, or whether it was a goat for the peace offering, that animal was to be killed. That animal was to be burnt by fire on the altar, the brazen altar, the same altar that was used for the burnt sacrifice. That animal's blood was not only shed, but it was to be sprinkled at the foot of the altar. Now, now what does all that mean? Well, it means this, that the ground upon which we worship God is the ground of atonement, that Christ has offered himself up once to God as a sacrifice for sin, and Christ is now our peace, Ephesians 2.14, and he is our peace. Uh, Christ was sacrificed in order to provide peace, because remember he bore the wrath of God uh, on the cross, symbolized with the, the fire that consumed the burnt sacrifice. And this peace offering is now being made in the very same altar after the burnt sacrifice was offered, after the meal offering was offered. It was presented on the very same altar, the word, the, the wood and the fire, and then the sacrifice was placed on top. You see, let's never forget, we have only peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our peace. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by, Pete, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And on this basis, on this merit, we therefore can bring ourselves to God by faith and we can offer up a spiritual sacrifice of praise and sacrifice of thanksgiving. On this basis, we can present ourselves to God. Now remember, we can only come before God in the ground of the blood atonement. We can only come in the name of a mediator. We can only come because we have an advocate in heaven. And on the basis of his once and for all sacrifice for sin, on the ground of his shed blood, because atonement has been made, we can offer up spiritual thanksgiving to God. We, we can vow to do things before the Lord, and we can voluntarily give up not only praise, but we can offer prayer. Many other things beside. You see, when you think about the law of the sacrifice of peace offering, which is a different section, a little more detail, Leviticus 7 through 11 to 15, think about the word thanksgiving. It's offered for thanksgiving. Here's the detail. 
It's offered due to a vow that he has made to, to love and to worship and serve and live for the Lord. Here are the details. Leviticus 7, 16 to 21. And keep in mind, the type and aspect of these offerings has to do with the personal work of Christ. He's the fulfillment of the burnt sacrifice, Hebrews 10 and 12. He's the fulfillment of the meat offering, the meal offering. It represents his sinless life. There you've got the intrinsic value of the sacrifice. The Lord Jesus himself is the perfect peace offering because he offered himself up to God. And it's only by him that, that we can offer up spiritual sacrifices. As I've read Hebrews 13, 12 through to 15, Christ was sacrificed without the gate. We're encouraged, let us go forth therefore unto him. And therefore we're told that by him, you see, it's all by him. Even the effect and the benefits and the result of Christ offering himself to God, it's all by him. By him we have peace with God. By him we can know the peace of God. By him we have fellowship with him. By him we can offer spiritual sacrifices. So that's what I mean by the presentation of the offering. Now notice something else. Notice the purity of the offering. It says in verse 3, He shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. If you look at verse 6, it says the same thing. And if his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord, be it the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. Now, now that's important. You see, the, the offering of the herd or the flock or the goat was to be without blemish before the Lord. Here's one of the important details. No blemish. What does that mean? No flaw. No defect. In other words, it wasn't a sick animal. It wasn't lame on a foot. It, 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 it hadn't lost an eye. It, it hadn't lost an ear. It, it wasn't diseased in any way. In other words, it was a perfect animal. I heard the story of a farmer. Uh, None of the farmers here, of course, are represented in this story. But this farmer had two calves. And uh, he told his wife that he was going to give one of the calves to the Lord. And meaning he was going to take it to the mart and sell it and give the money then to the Lord's work. And uh, he came in one day and he said to his wife as he sat at the table. And she said, you're looking a bit sad, a bit grumpy. What's wrong with you? And he, this is what he said. The Lord's calf has died. Well, she said to him, if there were twin calves, how do you know it was the Lord's calf? Oh, it was the Lord's calf that, 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 that died. You see, some people give to the Lord things that they don't want, things that they've no longer a use for. They don't give to the Lord the very best. But we're learning this morning, even in the peace offering, that God only accepts the best. This is a very significant detail, not to forget it. This is the law of the peace offering. If there's any blemish of any kind or any flaw in the animal, then the offering is rejected. See, it all points to Christ again. He's the lamb without blemish. He's intrinsically perfect. He's intrinsically pure. He did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. It even points to the life of the Christian who's to reflect Christ in his life. You see, our peace offering must be pure. It must be of a pure kind. 
It must be able to held up to, to scrutiny. It's not half-hearted. It's not light-hearted. We're, we're, we're really coming before the Lord and we're to hold nothing back. Did the Lord Jesus hold anything back? He set his face like a flint to go on the way to Jerusalem, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. He offered himself totally, fully, completely. We should be very careful when we come to worship. We shouldn't be half-hearted. We shouldn't be light-hearted. We should hold nothing back when it comes to praise, when it comes to the offering of prayer, when it comes to, to living a life of holiness before the Lord. Uh, the, the, the mindset would be, well, Lord, search me. Lord, here am I, I present myself. Lord, examine me. Lord, help me to be careful in the reading of the scriptures. Help me to give attention to reading. R remember, the Bible says God is a spirit and that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if Christ's whole heart and life was in the work that God the Father gave him to do, then our heart and life must be in the work that God has given us to do. I want you to think thirdly of the propitiation of the offering. For it says in verse 2, And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. Now, now think about the blood being shed at the door of the tabernacle. And then think about the blood being sprinkled. A blood-sprinkled altar. And the idea, of course, is far-reaching. Because on the ground of the blood, God's wrath is satisfied and appeased. See, the book of Leviticus is a really wonderful book. Oh, I know it's neglected by many because we, we find it hard to, to, to read our way through. But it teaches us much about the blood sacrifice of Christ. That's why modernists hate this book. Remember what we read there in the Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. He says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your souls. And this, of course, ties into the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9 and the verse 12. Remember what we read there. It tells us here. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. We've already read from Colossians 1, verse 20. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Peace with God. The peace of God. Peace to come to God. How is it offered? And what ground is it through? It's only through the blood of his cross. And you see, all the shed blood in the Old Testament, by the Old Testament priests, always points to the blood of Christ. Blood shed for us, blood sprinkled for us. And you have to think about the, the heavenly mercy seat. You see, it's all a picture of what the Lord Jesus did. The, the picture of the tabernacle and the temple worship is a type of the work that the Lord Jesus was going to do when he came into the world. And he did do. And of course, remember when he entered back into heaven, he entered in back to, to that heavenly altar. And, and, and he presented the blood sacrifice before his father. Because it's only in the basis of the blood that we have atonement. Only in the basis of blood we have an advocate. Only in the basis of blood we have an acceptance. See, the Bible tells us we're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. We would like to think we could be, but we're not. Why? 
because the Apostle Peter tells us here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, for as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Remember the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. See, there's no pardon or forgiveness except in the ground of the blood. There can be no praise accepted by God except in the ground of the blood because we enter in on the ground of the blood atonement. Uh, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So you think of our praise, our prayer, our, our living, a life of holiness unto the Lord, our, our Bible reading, our witnessing, any sacrifice that we make, any offering that we bring. It's always offered in the basis of the sprinkled blood. That's the propitiation of the offering. Let me be very quick this morning. Think of the parts of the peace offering. If we were to read chapter 3 and verses 3 and 4, it says, He shall offer of the sacrifice of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Notice this, the fat that covereth the inwards and all the fat that is upon the inwards and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, which is by the flanks and the call above the liver with the kidneys, it shall he take away. See, here's an offering by fire. It's the same altar, remember, on which the burnt offering has been made. But now we're told that this offering has to include fat. Even the fat of the two kidneys and the fat of the call above the liver and other parts of the body are mentioned. The outer fat and the inner fat. Fat on the altar, isn't that interesting? Consider that. Is that significant to you? Do you remember the sons of Eli? They were priests before the Lord. Hophni and Phinehas, remember what they did? When they were at the brazen altar, when they were offering the burnt offering, when they were offering the meal offering and the peace offering, remember what they did? They took the fat from the offering. And you see, the fat was the Lord's portion. If you look at your Bible, isn't that what it says in chapter um, 3 there and verse 16? All the fat is the Lord's. See, this was a wicked action by Hophni and Phinehas. That's what they died. The fat was God's portion. And, and the, the priest's job was to cut the fat off, to set it apart, and it was to be offered by fire unto the Lord. The fat of the lambs, the, 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 the fat of the goat, the, the, the uh, fat of the ox or the bullock, the, the, the outer fat, the inner fat, all of it was to be put on the altar. And of course it's all a picture, isn't it, of Christ. Remember, whenever we think about the fire intensely burning up the fat, you think of the, 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 the intense heat that there is when fat is being burned. You see, it, it comes from within. And Christ in his perfection of person and work all the perfection, all the affection and love and desire of the Lord's inner being poured out in his life that he lived before the Father. It was tested by the fire. He was full of love despite the flames. 
He didn't diminish his affection within his soul. The Bible tells us uh, Christ pleased the Father in all that he did, in all that he said, in all that he thought. On three occasions he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Inwardly he was uh, pleasing to the Father. Outwardly he is pleasing to the Father. Externally and internally he obeyed the law of God fully. I want you to think of this. The partaking of the peace offering. Notice it says, and he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering. That's true of the bull and the bullock. That's true of the goat and true of the lamb. The offerer had a part to play. He had a role to pray. The priest and the offerer together. And whenever the offering was made, both of them fed of the same offering. The priest had a part, and the offerer had a part. And on that basis, there was fellowship. Remember what we read. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. On that basis, we have fellowship. This was to be eaten in two days, not the third day. It could be eaten the same day, but it could be kept over to the next day, but no longer. Why? Because the third day represents the resurrection. Christ seen no corruption. He's a pure Christ. And therefore we must focus on him. And you see, many don't. You, you, you think of why it had to be eaten in two days? Because it was fresh. And, and, and once something becomes stale, it's no good to you. And, and, and it's so easy for us to forget Christ. And, and that's why we have the Lord's table on a regular basis. Isn't it tragic when we forget the Lord? Forget all that he did. Forget his own work. Forget that salvation is purchased and peace has already been obtained. And we can offer to God our, our spiritual sacrifices. See, many who are not focusing on Christ, it's because their hearts are cold and backslidden. You don't have to go to the pub to backslide. You just forget about Christ. Take your eyes off him. Stop focusing on him and his personal work. And isn't that what many are doing today, even in churches, where there's a lot of things going on, which has nothing to do really with Christ? I want you to think of this as we finish, the praise of the peace offering. When I think of this word thankful or thanksgiving, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving Day. It's coming up in the United States of America. I'm thinking of God's people having a deeply thankful heart. Making the Lord's day a day of gladness. Making every day a day of joy and gladness despite the trial. Turning the trial into triumph. Because we're offering praise to our God. For all the Lord has done for me, I never will cease to praise him. Could I ask as we close this morning, what's the greatest cause and ground of our praise to God? Is it not Christ? Paul, remember, said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And the greatest gift is the gift of Jesus Christ, his son. And that's why we read over in the book of Hebrews, by him. It's interesting. By him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We can offer praise to God through him. We can offer prayer through him. We can offer our pennies or our pounds through him. We can present ourselves through him. 
We can give ourselves voluntary. We can vow we're going to live and serve the Lord because that's all involved in the peace offering this morning. And I pray that I've whetted your appetite, I've opened up your understanding a little, and as you think about the lessons from the peace offering, that you'll remember that in the ground of the blood, you can offer praise and prayer and pence and yourselves to the Lord. Have you ever done that? Offered yourself to the Lord? I trust and pray that we'll do that this morning.